But uh, today's, today's sermon series is entitled, uh, I Commit My Hand Into Your Spirit. I Commit My, Into Your Hands, I Commit My Spirit. Jesus. Into Your Hands, I Commit My Spirit. And these are the words that Jesus prayed while he hung on the cross, the very, some of the very last words of Jesus. This is also from Psalm 31, which we're going to look at today. And so before I begin doing that, um, just a couple of words of encouragement for a couple of people. Um, Brian and Michaela, I just see that you, God has got you guys, and you know, you're standing there with a the tool belt on, only it's not a tool belt. I refer to a tool belt because it's, um, that's what I, I used to work with, the tool belt. But it's more of like the weapons of war, and you've got the, tool, the, the war belt on, and God's just adding things to your belt, and he's preparing you guys for, for the spiritual battle, because you guys are warriors, and you guys are going to be uh, part of those that uh, aggressively take the land for Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Is Beth here? Is Beth teaching? Where's Beth? Beth's, okay, I'll get her later. Somebody remind me. All right. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And so Jesus prayed this when he was hanging on the cross. And Jesus had cried out with a loud voice and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He said this and he breathed his last. So Jesus is hanging on the cross. Jesus Christ, Jesus came, Son of God, God himself, God in the flesh, the Word made flesh, God the Word. Eternal, dateless God came and lived and died among us. He took the sin of the world upon his body, hung upon the cross, and died for you and for I. And in Jesus' darkest moment, he prayed these words. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, we've been talking about being a man and a woman after God's own heart. We talked about the different seasons in David's life last week. And how many of you know that following God isn't always, you know, uh, cookies and milk? You know, it's not always a good story. It's not always a great time. Sometimes there's hard places that we have to go through. Sometimes we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Death is looming on every side. You know, things aren't always peachy keen throwing out all these things and nobody's laughing. They're kind of like, you know, those old ones that are kind of like, kids should be like, <clears throat> Things aren't always great. And how do we make it through during those dark times? If we look at the life of David, if we look at the life of Jesus, this is the prayer that they prayed. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. I don't know that there's a more powerful prayer that we can pray in all the word, in all the world. I don't know that there's a more powerful prayer that we can pray. When we're going through a hard time, when we're going through a tough time, when we don't see how in the world God is going to work this out, when there is no way that this could happen, where there is no way, we pray this prayer. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit my, prayer, my spirit. It's a prayer of brokenness. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of, I've tried to do this in my own strength for long enough. God, I've tried. I've tried. I've done what I know to do. And God is falling apart all around me. Things aren't looking good. As a matter of fact, they've never looked worse. 
but I trust you, God. I know that you're a faithful God. I know that you're a good God. John Paley on drums this morning. Come on. That was amazing. I was just like blown away. I'm like, what? Uh. John, God is going to uh, make a smooth path for you going forward. He, you're just so faithful in everything that you do. You're faithful to God, and he, he, is going to, he is going to propel you and promote you just because you're just, you are faithful. You're a faithful man. Great job on drums today. I was super encouraged. Amen. Yeah. Crushed it. And so Jesus prays this. You know, Jesus said a few different things from Psalms while he hung on the cross. He, he's hanging on the cross, and the first, one of the first things he says while he's hanging there is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's Psalm 22, and we can look at that. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lame sabachthane, in Hebrew. This is what he says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then uh, he says, it is finished. If you look at the very last line of Psalm 22, it says that God has done this. You could also translate it, it is finished. Some, some people believe that Jesus quoted the entire Psalm, Psalm 22, while he hung there on the cross. What a more extravagant and prophetic thing to do. Here's a few of the lines from, from Psalm 22. I'm only going to read a portion of it. He sa- it says in verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws, and you have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. Imagine Jesus hanging on the cross, all of these uh, religious Pharisees hanging out around the cross. They've surrounded him. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Imagine Jesus on the cross proclaiming Psalm 22. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And from my clothing, they cast lots. This literally had just happened. Quoting scripture, Jesus hanging on the cross, quoting scripture, because he is the word and he knows the word and he knows this is talking about him. Yeah, I really think that he did. I think he quoted all of Psalm 22. And then he says this, it's in, it's in Psalm 31, which is just a couple, just a couple chapters over. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And so I want to read Psalm 31 today, and I want to get a fullness of what he's saying. This is one verse in the middle of Psalm 31, but I want to read the whole thing so we can get a better understanding of what are we saying when we pray this prayer, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Psalm Psalm 31, beginning in verse 1, it says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. I put my trust. Do we trust God? Do we trust God? Do we really trust God? Do we trust God? How much do we trust God? You know, Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It had nothing to do with about the money in his pockets. What does it have to do with? It has to do with who he trusts in. What does a rich man trust in? A rich man trusts in his own strength. A rich man trusts in his own ability to provide for himself. 
There is no way that you can trust in your own ability to enter into the kingdom of heaven because you can't do it on your own. We're all too weak. We all fall short. Jesus is the only way. So it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle, which is absolutely impossible. There's all kinds of variations on this, and none of them get easy. So just stick with the fact of trying to fit a camel that stands about eight feet tall, nine feet tall, through the eye of a needle, and you can't get a thread through the needle. It's completely 100%, I'll get a big needle. No. It's impossible. Jesus followed this up. The disciples followed this up. They asked him a question, who, who then can be saved? And Jesus said, with man it is impossible, with, but with God all things are possible. Do we trust God? Do we trust God? Do we trust God? How much do we trust God? What do we trust God with? What don't we trust God with? You know, you talk to uh, missionary evangelists, healing missionary evangelists, and they'll tell you that when they go overseas, they see miracles, signs, and wonders. They see healings and demonstration of power, and we don't see that level of miracles here in America. Why? Because we have another way. Because we have another provision for us. The, the modern medicine has made provision for us to be either healed or to live with sickness. To be healed, modern medicine most times doesn't heal us. Can I get a witness? Yes. Modern medicine most times just helps us to live with our sickness. Amen? Amen. I, I, I don't want anybody to raise their hands, but if we had, a, had you raise your hands and by a show of hands, how many of us are in here are on some kind of medication? I mean, some people are already raising their hands, but you know, we don't want to let everybody know who's all on medication, but... A lot of, when we do this, a lot of people raise their hands. A lot of people are on medication for different things, high blood pressure, um, you know, uh, all different kinds of stuff. It's modern medicine and has made a provision for us to be able to live with the sickness that we have. Or we can trust God for our healing. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. He is God our healer. He is the Lord our healer. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord our provider. Is this the next slide? He is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. And so we run from place to place to place, and we try and, we try and eliminate things in our life when we try and adjust our schedule because we're looking for the peace when Jesus is our peace. We try and get out of the storm so that we can get peace, but that's not the peace that God brings. God brings us peace in the midst of the storm. He is our peace. Do we trust him? Is he our peace? He can't be your peace if you don't trust him. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our victory. The Lord is our banner. It, it means both. So you got to understand with Hebrew words, there's layered meanings. And so when you say one Hebrew word, you can, you can mean multiple different things. The Lord, is, the Lord is our victory. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our victory. The Lord is our victory. The Lord is our victory. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. It also means the Lord is the one who fights for me. Come on. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? He is the one who fights for me. Isn't it like a shepherd, right? Shepherd watches over the sheep. Someone comes to, to hurt the sheep. What does the shepherd do? Shepherd fights for the sheep. Jehovah Shammah. 
the Lord who is there. Adonai Elohim, the everlasting God. Amen? Those are the names of God, some of the names of God. Do we trust Him? In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me into your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of my defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me for your strength. For you are my strength. Into your hands I commit my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. God has redeemed me. God has purchased me where I had nothing to buy my way for myself. The Bible tells us that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have nothing for which to repay the debt that we owe heaven for our sin. And it is only by the blood of Jesus that we have entrance into his throne room, that we have entrance into his presence, that God can come and be in our life. It's through the blood of Jesus. And when we accept Jesus, we are redeemed by the blood of God. We are bought back from the, the kingdom of darkness, and we are delivered into the kingdom of God's glorious light. I no longer live in the kingdom of darkness. I am a, I am a citizen of heaven, and I just get my mail here on earth. I live in heaven. It is my home. And that's where my heart wants to be. And that same invitation is available to you today. If you don't know Jesus, he died for my sins and for yours. You've never accepted Jesus Christ. We're going to have an opportunity at the end for you to do that, to follow him. He is our redeemer. And when we have been redeemed to God, all bets are off and God fights for me. God is my victory. God is my healer and my provider, and it is in him I will trust. Let's keep going. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I will trust in the Lord. I will be glad, and I will rejoice in your mercy. Come on. I will rejoice in the mercy of God. Listen, how can I not rejoice in the mercy of God? How can I not rejoice in the grace and the mercy of God? I have to. I have to. Do you know where it was that I used to live? And many of you, most of you, I think maybe all of you, we used to live in this place of darkness and depression. It was owned by Satan and he, we were his. But God delivered us. By his great mercy, we are saved. It's the grace of God. I, am, I will be glad and rejoice. And he, if he never did another thing, if he never did another thing, it's enough. I mean, he's still doing things, and he wants to do more things, and he has done other things, and he's going to do more. But if he never did another thing, I will be glad and rejoice. I will be glad and rejoice. Come on. For you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversity. You have not shut me up into the hand of my enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. That, that word is for you. God is going to set your feet in a wide place. I, I, as, I, as, I, as I read that, I said, that's Beth. Beth is going to, God is going to open up the blessings and he's going to set your feet in a wide place. Underline that, Psalm 31, verse 8, the last part, in a wide place, Rehoboth. It means broad place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief. 
Yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away, my inner being wastes away. I am a reproach among my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel uh, together against me, they scheme to take away my life. You know, I, I did some research and I wasn't able to find out where David wrote this psalm or, or what, what was the, what was the um, inspiration for him to write this psalm. But those are some pretty incredible words. Fear is on every side. David's saying that fear is on every side. He's saying that these people are taking counsel together to kill me. All of these people, I, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking he's in Ziklag. I mean, it's, he's either in Ziklag or he's in, he's in Jerusalem at the end of his life when, when, when Absalom tries to take the throne from him. But I'm really thinking, it, I'm feeling it's more Ziklag, right? And so if you don't know the story of Ziklag, it's enemy territory where David found himself hiding out during his time of Adullam. And so he's hiding out in enemy territory and he's lying to the king of the Philistines. And so he would regular, regularly go and raid Philistine cities, and then he would come back home. And so on one of his raiding parties, while he's out raiding one of these other cities, someone came and attacked his city. And so they came back, and they found their village burned and everything gone, and the women and children, which then they left behind, all gone. And it said that the men who were with him, remember his ragged bunch of 400, uh, the, the, the discontent, the disheartened, and the grumbling, those people, his his wonderful companions in Adullam, those people, they wanted to kill him. They all got together and said, let's kill David. It's his fault. He brought us here. He cost us our wives and children. He cost us all we had. And David throws himself into God and says, God, what do we do? And he says, God says, pursue them for you will surely recover all. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. Listen, I've had bad days, but I haven't had days where they have been scheming to take away my life. I haven't had a day like that. I haven't had a, I mean, unless it's not according to my knowledge that people wanted to kill me, but you know, I didn't know that if people wanted to kill me, I didn't know that that was the case. So praise God. God hid it from me. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. They, they seek to take away my life. The, my darkest day, I will trust in you, my Lord. For you are my God. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. There is a time for every season and every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3. Do we trust God with the timing of our life? Do we trust God with the timing of our life? God, when is this going to happen? God, I want this to happen now. God, I want this to happen now. And we seek God more for what we want to have happen than we do to seek Him for who He is. When if we would just get off of the, the merry-go-round of what we need, and get onto the wheel of who God is and knowing Him. If we would just seek first the kingdom of God, then all things would be added to us. 
Do we trust him with the timing of our life? Because we want to write the schedule, don't we? We want to pull up our iTunes calendar. We want to pull up our our Google calendar. And we want to put things in and say, this is going to happen then. I'm going to get married at 21. And I'm going to have kids at 26. And I'm going to have this. And I'm going to be that. And I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, have the job of my life by 28. And I'm going to have a, you know, three bedroom, two bath, three car garage house by the time I'm 30. We write the schedule for our lives. And because we haven't talked to God about the schedule, he had a different schedule. And it didn't look like our schedule. But we're fighting for this schedule which isn't God's. Because you know what? Most times God's not caught up with, with materials that are on our list. God's caught up. He, he, he judges the hearts of men. We can't know our own heart, and he knows our heart. He looks at our heart, and he knows what we're ready for. I'm reading the other, I read a lot. I was reading the other day, I don't remember which book it was in. I read this, and it said, it said, most Christians can't handle the blessing that God has prepared for them. And I read it, and I said, I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. See, because Deuteronomy 6 says, when you enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and he has delivered you from everything, every enemy, Don't forget the Lord your God. See, and what happens is that most of us will never walk in with God to the the level of relationship where he can pour out a blessing and we won't forget him. We're not, I'm telling you, how many of us read our Bibles and pray an hour a day? If you're not doing it now, what makes you think you're going to do it when you get the blessing of God? You're not. You don't have it now, and you're not pushing into God. He's not going to give it to you because it drives you further away. We talked about this last week. The success of man tests who they are. And this is in Proverbs. Uh, We could go back and look at last week's message. Just go back and get uh, get the download and listen to it again. Success tests who men are. And blessing tests who we are to see whether or not we are actually after God. It can test us in that way. And the blessing of God that God has reserved for us, many of us will never enter into because we couldn't handle it. And we don't become people who handle it by increasing in knowledge other than the knowledge of who Jesus is. Because when we really come to know who he is, there's nothing that we'd rather have. Man, I'm here in worship this morning, and I'm worshiping. I don't know about you guys, but I'm having the time of my life. I don't know if you guys know this, but we used to live at Disney World for a month. How many of you knew that? How many of you didn't know that? We used to live at Disney World for a month a year. And so uh, we set our camper up in the Disney campgrounds, and we would buy um, season passes, and our kids would go, like, hey, hey, we finished our homework, you know, because they were homeschooled. Can we go to the Magic Kingdom? Sure, go ahead, kids. The Magic Kingdom was their backyard, right? And so we lived at Disney World, you know, end of the football game. I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Why? It's not that good. I've been there. We lived there. <laughs> 
There's no place that I'd rather be than in the presence of God. This is so much better. I just wish worship could go on. You know, if it were up to me, we'd worship for an hour or two. I think the worship team would be exhausted. We'd have to rotate singers or something. I don't know. That's my heart. And then after the preaching, we just go back into worship for another hour or two. And then we stop for lunch, and then we go back at it. Yeah. This is who I am. This is what I want to do. Why? Because I love God. And man, when I'm in the presence of God, that it's just the joy is overflowing and it's erupting within me. It's awesome. If you haven't gotten to this place in God yet, just grab your Bible and start reading and just come to worship and get here early. Oh, you know, I can't, I, not yet. God will have me share that later. All right, back to Psalm 31. I think we're almost done in here. We keep going. I was glad and rejoiced for your mercy. Nope. Ah, fear is every, on every side. They seem to take away my life. My times are in your hands. Do we trust God with our schedule? Do we trust God with our schedule? Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not, do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence. Come on. God will hide you in the secret place of your presence. How did God, how did David survive all of the things that he survived? How is it that he could be in the cave in a dulum and Saul and his armies are right outside and they didn't find him? They didn't see him because God hid him there. How is it that they could return to Ziklag and their, their place is burned? All the houses are burning and on fire. And all of the men want to kill David, and they can't do it. Why? Because God hid him from them. How is it that Jesus can be in the midst of the crowd, in the middle of the temple, with the Pharisees surrounding him, and he escapes? Because God hid him and allowed him and got him out of there. It's God. Amen. We'll, we'll go on. The names of God, we already hit that. You know... It really, comes back to the, it really comes back to the garden. It's been the same story our whole lives. It's been the same story all of humanity. It hasn't changed. Do we trust God? Do we trust God? Do we trust God? Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Hath God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And you know the rest of the story. Eve eats the apple. He give, she gives it to Adam. Adam eats the apple. They sin. They do the thing that God told them not to do. Why? Because someone, Satan, introduced doubt, and they stopped trusting God. Where did you stop trusting God? Because that's the issue. Our trust in God, that's the issue. Do we trust God? Do we trust God in all things? 
Do we trust God with our checkbook? Do we trust God with our Facebook? Do we trust God with our family? Do we trust God with our health? Do we trust God for our next breath? Do we trust God for our next sunrise? Do we trust God in all things? Or has someone said something to us and we're like, we don't trust God quite as much? Have the have the experiences of life worn on us to the point where I don't know that I want to trust God in that anymore. God will prove himself faithful. God will prove himself faithful. If we will trust in him, if we will trust in him, if we will trust in him, the word came, be still. Sometimes we need to just be still for a minute and we need to get a hold of God and we need to listen to hear him speak. You know, God speaks, and oftentimes, more often than not, 99.999% of the time, God speaks in a whisper. You know why? I got to take, take the microphone out to do this. You know why God speaks in a whisper? Because if I shout like this, you can all hear me. It's really very impersonal. So I turn around. And I'm not Jesus, so. <laughs> when God whispers, I didn't get that quite right. When God whispers, he's got to get close. And what does God want? He wants us to get close. He wants to, did you notice I invited Fred? Could you come up here? So there's an invitation to all of us. George, will you come and meet with me? Will you come and meet with me? And there's this invitation for us to come in and to get close to Jesus. And he wants to whisper and say, I love you. I have good things planned for you. I have the best in mind for you. And meanwhile, we're just so busy. We're so busy that we can't find the time to draw in and be close with God. You know, why, you know why intercessors always lead the charge? They always wind up leading the charge because they have the best prayer life. Because they have the best prayer life. If the worshipers had the prayer life of the intercessors, you wouldn't know the names of the intercessors. If the pastors had the prayer life of the intercessors, if the congregation had the prayer life of the intercessors, come on, there's this invitation. God wants to whisper. Do we trust God? What is it that, what is it that has kept us from trusting God? Into your hands, I commit my spirit you've been in a dark place, this is the prayer to pray. This is the prayer to pray. When things are at its worst, when things look like there's no way, into your hands 
I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hands. There is no, uh, I don't believe that there is a greater prayer. There is no prayer in the whole Bible that exemplifies trusting God more than this. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He has just had the entire weight of the sin of all humanity placed upon him. And he hangs there upon the cross. And for the first time in his life, he's, he, he feels this separation from God the Father, whom he has known intimately on a deep level that we'll never know. Eternally dateless past, he's known God in this way. And suddenly it's blocked off and he can't feel God anymore. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he pray these prayers? He prayed that prayer because sin came upon him and, and he could no longer sense God's presence in his life. And so he's in this deep, dark place. And what does he say? He says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I can't feel you anymore when I've felt you forever I don't know why things are the way they are. I don't know why this is so terrible, but I know one thing. I know that you're good, God. I know that you're faithful. I know that you will never leave me nor forsake me, but I don't know why I can't feel you. I don't know why th you seem so far away, but I will commit my spirit into your hands. God, it's looking real bad. David says, it's looking real bad. They've surrounded me on every side. They all want to kill me. It's looking like I'm going to die. And that promise of me being king, it's never going to happen. I commit my spirit into your hands. God, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm beyond caring what happens at this point. I care what happens, but God, I trust you. God, I trust you. If you'll preserve me, I'll worship you. And if you take me home, then I will worship you in glory in heaven. I trust you. I trust you. Jesus, hanging on the cross, I trust you, God. Father, I trust you. I trust you. Beyond all trust, I trust you. More than I trust that the sun will rise. More than they trust that the air that I breathe will continue to give me life. I trust you, God. When we get to this place... All bets are off. When we get to this place of trusting God, all bets are off. The kingdom's going to come. The kingdom's going to come. You're going to see it right before your eyes. What level of trust are you at? Will you trust God today? On the back of your engage card, there's a couple of boxes that I want you to look at. It says, this week I will trust God in all things. If you're going to commit this week to trust God with something more than you trusted him with last week, check that box. I want to trust God. I want to come higher. I want him to have all of me. Everything. No hidden place. I'm not going to trust in my own hand. Doesn't mean I'm not going to go to work. God's given me strength to do work. God's given me the job that I have. I trust God in all things. I believe him. It's he who provides for me. It's he who heals me. It's he who lifts me up. It's he who gives me peace and joy and victory. If you're here today, I told you I would make this invitation earlier. If you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus before, I'm saying that God wants to whisper to you and you're like, what does that sound like? I've never heard that. If you want to know God, 
I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. If you just bow your head. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you to save me. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, and that you would give me the strength to live as you've called me to live in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you just...